well, she's left now, but I was just going to tell her and and uh, Harley and Garrett and also Catherine and Jasper, thank you guys for serving. I really appreciate that. It is a joy to be able to come into God's house, to be able to worship together, and to be able to see our young people serving. You, you just don't even understand while that makes my heart glad. I go to churches all across the state. Our Southern Baptist life has 335 churches across this great state, and there are many of those that have no young people or children involved in, in uh, any part of their worship service or even in their church whatsoever. So it is really exciting for me to see that God has a great work here, and he is using our young people. And let me just encourage you once again, don't ever let that go. Not only as a church, but you young people, don't ever let that talent that God has given you, that desire and that passion to serve him, ever wane. You know, I can remember all the way back when I was about eight years old, coming up just like Walter and Luke, and taking the offering about eight years old. And of course, that's when the Lord Jesus grabbed my heart, and I became a believer and a faithful follower of him. And yes, there were some rocky times in there, and there's going to be some challenges but you know what? He is faithful, and he will keep us until the day of his return or our return, whichever comes first. And so I'm so grateful to see you guys. We've got one of our associations that has 43 churches, and only five out of those 43 have any children or youth in them at all. Five. Five. So guys, keep up the good work. And you guys as young people, you fan the flame. Keep the faith. We want to be able to see you and God doing great and mighty things through in you and through you for the years to come. So thank you so much for blessing my heart. And I was going to say just for Hannah, thank you for leading us to the throne of grace. Thank you for leading us into a time of worship. Because we're not here to be able to focus on me. We're not here to focus on these that lead us. We're here to focus on Christ. Those worship leaders are leading us to his throne. It is for his worship. It is for his glory. So thank you, Hannah, for leading us this morning into a wonderful place and uh, into a wonderful place of worship. And I pray that today you're not here just as a means of a checklist, okay? I pray that you're here to worship the one and only true God who deserves worship. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord God, what a privilege it is to be in your house this morning. We come from all different walks of life. We come from all different backgrounds. Lord God, we come from all different places, even across this Gila Valley. But Lord God, you bring us together this morning to unify our hearts so that we might worship you in spirit and truth. And Lord God, today my prayer is that we'll leave here knowing you more intimately than when we came. And Lord God, if there is one here this morning that does not have that right relationship with you, that Lord, today would be the day of salvation as Paul proclaimed years ago. Because Lord, the greatest need that we have is not more money, it's not more time, it's not more vacation, it's not more of all the things that so oftentimes we think. What we need is Jesus. And what we need is to know him intimately and have a personal walk with him as Savior and Lord of our life. That way, when we come into your presence, we may can only imagine what it will be like, but one thing that we will know for absolute certain, and that is God looks at us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and says, he or she's name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Enter into your courts with praise today. And yet for some, 
There'll be a time in which they won't know how to respond to Christ, and yet the Lord God Almighty will say, Depart from me, I never knew you. God, let it not be said of some here today that those words would be true. Let this today be the day in which they come to understand the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ who gives us life abundant and life eternal. And so, Lord God, help us to make that clear through your written and spoken word today in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you for being here today. And I just want you to... Uh, to know how much Elaine and I always enjoy being with you and the privilege that we have of coming back and just being with you today in worship together. I would ask if you would turn with me in your copy of God's Word. We'll be taking a look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and as you're turning there, I want to be able to share with you something that when we got our P&M bill here, just a little back uh, before, it says on the front, P&M helps bring power to Navajo families. You know, now, I don't know how many of you have been on the Navajo Reservation, but I'm telling you, it's a whole different experience. It's like going back in time hundreds of years in many of those places. And when we consider even going across the big waters into Africa and into India and some of those remote areas where they do not have any electricity, they don't have any running water, they don't have the things that you and I recognize every single day when we get up and we go over there and we turn on the tap or we go to the restroom and flush the commode. They don't recognize those things. And so I've been on the Navajo Nation a number of times and I recognize the desperate need that they have. Well, this article here talks about how PNM is just one of the many groups who have come together and they have put together electric poles that are running out to many of these homes. And I just want to read to you just a quick glimpse of this what is taking place. For approximately 14,000 families on the Navajo Nation, the largest Native American territory, this is a reality. What's a reality? No refrigerators, no electricity, no televisions, no computers that run from electricity. And then it says this, the Light Up Navajo Project is helping to change that for families throughout the region. A PNM line crew recently traveled to the greater Shiprock area volunteering in this nationwide utility collaboration project. The Navajo Nation, American Public Power Association, and the Navajo Tribal Utility Authority launched the Light Up Navajo Project in 2019 to energize homes that have never had power. Now listen to this. It goes on to say, this year, the 11-week Light Up Navajo Initiative worked to connect 300 homes on the Navajo Nation to the electric grid for the first time. Five journeyman linemen represented PNM, worked alongside NTUA crews and other utility volunteer linemen to construct and install new power poles and run new distribution lines to energize existing homes that have never had electricity. Since the Light Up Navajo project started in 2019, just three short years ago, nearly 7,000 family homes have been connected to the power grid and now have electricity. And you may say, what on earth are you giving us a PNM report for? Well, I want to share with you that just as PNM thought that it was beneficial for the Navajo Nation to have electricity in their homes, I believe that it's important 
No, I believe it's imperative that the Gila Valley have Jesus in their homes. And I believe that the Gila Valley Baptist Church is here so that just as PM reaches out and does whatever it takes to get the electricity into those homes, I believe that whatever it takes, it takes you guys as the ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ to go out there in the Gila Valley and to be able to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. And we may not be able to have every one of them receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of their lives, but I believe that it's imperative that they know the truth. They have the opportunity. You see, in those homes that have been connected in this past year, they don't have to turn on the lights. They don't have to use the facilities, but the power is connected so that they can if they so choose. You see, you're not responsible for saving anyone, and praise God, I'm not responsible for saving anyone. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, and God caused the growth. My job and your job and our responsibility before the Lord Jesus Christ is to share the good news. Now, I want to take you back for just a minute. Can you imagine your home being without electricity after you've already experienced it? Now, can you imagine your life without Christ? If you're a believer today, can you go back and imagine what your life was like before Christ? There are many people that are experiencing darkness in their world today, but it's not because of lack of electricity. They're experiencing a darkness because their spirit is in darkness. And they need the hope and light of Jesus Christ to revolutionize, to transform their lives so that they too can be out there and experience the goodness that God has in store for them. So today I want us to take a look at Ephesians, one of Paul's premier letters of course to those at Ephesus he had written their four letters that we call the prison epistles those when he was in prison and one of those is Ephesus that book we call Ephesians and he had written that to these believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to give them hope and an understanding of what it means to be a child of God and to live that out in a tangible and practical way so if you would follow along with me today we're going to be looking from Ephesians chapter 5 beginning in verse 1 through 13 Ephesians chapter 5 beginning in verse 1 it reads therefore and we'll look at that in just a few moments but it says therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God is a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. And there must not be no fil and there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, as walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. 
Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. I want us to take a look here this morning and recognize that Paul is writing to believers. And in the first three chapters of his letter to those believers... He is giving them an understanding, a real foundation of what it means to be saved. In other words, all of us are created in the image of God, but there are only some who are a child of God. Let me explain. Being a child of God means that we've come into a right relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ, His Son, accepting and believing in His death, burial, and resurrection and experiencing the forgiveness of our sins and having a right relationship with God. You see, that's when we are adopted into His family. That's when we have a right relationship and become a child of the living God. And so in the first three chapters, Paul is just pouring out this understanding so that he can deepen their knowledge and understanding of what it means to be in a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the one and only Savior. And then in chapter 4, he begins to show them how does this look when we live this out. Because of our identity, what does it look like now in practice? How do we put our belief into a behavior? And so in chapter 4, he begins to share with them what that looks like of living it out. Matter of fact, in chapter 4, verse 17, he says, Don't walk in the way that the Gentiles walk, but walk worthy in the manner in which you've been called over in verse 1 of chapter 4. In other words, there is a way that we must live because we are children of the living God. And then he begins in chapter 5 by saying the first and foremost way that we do that is being imitators of God. You know, you don't have to look to me. You don't have to look to your Sunday school teacher. And although we would love the fact that you do that, just as Paul says in in Galatians chapter 5, as also in 1 Corinthians, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ over in chapter 11, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians. Paul is making sure that they know that they can look at him, but what he's doing is he's saying, look at me so that I can point you to Jesus. And so today, don't look at me. Don't look at the pastor that comes in here next to be your standard. Look at Christ, because humanity will always lower the standard of what it means to be holy. And that's, my friends, is what we are to be, according to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Be ye holy. As I am holy, says the Lord. And so when we look at this, Paul is saying, be imitators of God. In other words, you must look to the Father and look at His character, look at His nature, look at the way that He is in His perfect love, in His perfect justice, in His perfect integrity and character, in His holiness, and then live that out. Strive to be like Him. That's what it looks like in practice and then he goes on to tell them of course that God's wrath is coming on the disobedient and we won't spend a lot of time on this but here in verse 6 he is saying look let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon those of disobedience in other words those things that he's listed before God's wrath is going to judge those that are in that lifestyle okay 
And so what he is giving us today is he says, you don't be partakers with them. Now, I'm going to stop and give a disclaimer real quick, or you may walk out of here and go, oh, my goodness, I've made one of these mistakes, and if I've made one of those mistakes, I'm condemned forever. No, you're not. According to Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Positionally, my friend, if you're a child of God, covered by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation to you. You will experience eternal life in the presence of God Almighty because of your choice in Christ as Savior and Lord of your life and the forgiveness of your sins. That is a fact according to Scripture. But, my friends, if you're fooling yourself and you're just saying, well, I don't really have a relationship with Christ and some of these things I do find myself involved in, then you are separated from God for all eternity. And we'll talk about that here in just a few moments, but you need to recognize the difference. There are no categories except lost or saved. There is no riding the fence when it comes to God's justice upon our life. It is either your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you're saved and you will experience his ultimate grace, which leads us to a right place of eternal life, or you're separated from that and you will experience condemnation and the consequences in a place that he has created for those who have rejected him as the one and only true God, a place called hell. You see, Paul is wanting them to understand that their lives must be different. And that's why he says in verse 8, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So I want us to just break this down as we dive into this for this morning. And, and hopefully we'll come out on the other side a little bit more prepared to live the way that God intends for us to live as children of the living God. Why should their lives be so different? It's because they have a new identity. My friends, their identity is different. Paul is not writing to the lost. Paul is not writing to the seekers. Paul is writing to those that are absolutely saved and kept by the Holy Spirit of God, according to Ephesians chapter 1. He is writing to those who already are in a relationship with Christ. And so he's saying, because your identity is different, there must be a difference in the way that you live. Now, let me give you a quick explanation of where they once were. Before we can understand our present state and the blessing of being a child of God, we have to know where we were. This is the way I always look at it. You see, I've got this little tract in my pocket, satisfied. All right, satisfied. It's written by a good friend of men, uh, mine at Southwestern Seminary. But I want you to understand, there's a lot of people walking around today that are satisfied in the things of the world. They're satisfied in money. They're satisfied in their career. They're satisfied with their family. They're satisfied in the things they're, they're, they're about in this world. But they are deeply dissatisfied because there's a longing in their heart. For a relationship with God and when we understand this I think it's going to compel us to be ready and willing to share the good news of salvation if we do not know where we have been then we don't appreciate where we are 
And for those that are in this Gila Valley that are lost, unless you see them with the eyes of Jesus, like it speaks about in Matthew chapter 9, if you do not see them with the eyes of compassion, you're going to allow every one of those men and women and boys and girls to pass by every day and never share that they can be satisfied with Jesus. And he is the only one who can bring real satisfaction. Their identity was. Their identity was in the past the same identity as yours and mine. You know what that was? Let's take a look here in verse 6. Excuse me, in verse 7 it says, Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness. It doesn't just say that they lived in darkness. It says, you were darkness. Before I met Jesus Christ, even though an eight-year-old boy that came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life, I was darkness. I was experiencing darkness. I was living in darkness. But me, myself, I was darkness. Darkness here, we need to understand, characterizes ignorance and rebellion against god look there if you will a page back in in uh, ephesians chapter 4 verse 18 when he talks about not walking as the gentiles do he says in verse 18 being darkened in their understanding excluded from the life of god because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart darkness is when we say god i don't need you i can do it on my own that's darkness, my friend. But darkness is also being separated from God. Do you remember back over in Genesis chapter 2 when everything was good in the garden? We have a perfect right relationship with Adam and Eve and with God. And then what takes place in Genesis chapter 3 but the fall of man. And you know what happened on that fateful day that we experienced through the inheritance of Adam and Eve? Separation from God. They were in a right relationship. And yet from that day, there has been separation from God. And according to Romans chapter 5, even being an enemy with God. You see, right now, if you are not in the faith, if you don't have a right relationship with the Lord God through Jesus Christ, I hate to tell you, but you're an enemy of God. That's what the scripture tells us. It's not fun to talk about. It's not enjoyable to discuss. It's a fact of what Scripture teaches, that we're an enemy of God if we're still in darkness. And it is every person's life before Christ. You see, when he's writing to those at Colossae, he also puts it this way in verse 13 of chapter 1, and we were rescued out of the domain of darkness. My friends, if Jesus Christ had, had not come, and he had placed himself willingly on the cross and experienced the brutal pain and suffering and allowed his perfect, pure, shed blood to drip down his body and onto that ground that day for the sacrifice for you and for me, we would still be in a place of death, never to be restored in the right relationship with God. That's what Jesus did. God rescued us out of that and placed us into that right relationship. And then fourthly, is darkness ultimately equals death. 
It says in Romans chapter 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. But you know, the good thing is, is we don't have to stay there. There's good news. That's the gospel. That's the hope that we have in Christ. The, the darkness is the wages of sin is death. But the rest of that verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's our hope is in Christ, through Christ. And so the reality is today, if there has never been a place and time which you have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, my friends, your darkness, plain and simple, your darkness, there are no levels, there are no grades. When my wife and I in our home and our bedroom, it's kind of dark, but we've got shades in there, and in the early morning especially, you know, it's not too dark. And then we go over to a hotel, and they've got those blinds that come down, and you could sleep all day long because it's dark. And then you go over to Carlsbad, and you step down in the pits of the earth 2,000 feet down, and it's really dark. You see, we have different grades of darkness, but in God, there's one grade. You're either in darkness or you're in light. There is no variation. The people that are seeking to earn God's favor because they say, well, we're just a little dark. No, you're either all dark or you're in the light, one of the two. So you need to ask yourself the question, are you in darkness or are you in the light of God? You see, the light is their new identity and their light must change their behavior you see we understand that according to john chapter 8 verse 12 jesus says i am the light of the world and he that walks in me will no longer walk in darkness because he has the light of life when we have jesus we don't have to be in the dark we don't have to live a life of darkness we can live the light according to christ and his direction at the end of verse 8, we find here in this passage, it says, But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So I want to quickly go through this because there's not going to be a lot of time, and I understand there's a lot to be said. You could break this passage down into about three different sermons, but I've tried to encapsulate all of this for you today so that we can keep it in the train of thought. But when we understand darkness then we need to understand who we are in the light. There needs to be a difference and a change in how we live. According to verse 8, now because we're children of light, we need to walk in the light. So know your identity. You're, you see, some people say that you can't know whether you're saved or whether you can't. I believe you absolutely can know you're saved, and we need to know that we're saved. Why am I willing to go out there and put myself out there to people I don't know and share the truth is because I have confidence that I've been saved by the shed blood of Christ, and I'm going to experience resurrection and eternal life. Why? Because in 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, it says, He that has the Son of God has life, and he that does not have the Son of God does not have life and i write these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life some of you may remember that's one of my favorite verses because it gives me confidence it gives me assurance i don't have to guess i know that i'm saved and i know that i stand before god uncondemned but then secondly we need to live out that identity and living out that identity is kind of like what it says according to paul in philippians chapter 2 verse 15 
where he says, shine like lights in the world. Shine like stars in the world. We as believers are to represent Christ. We're ambassadors of Christ. And we are to live out there as lights unto a darkened world. So let me ask you the question. Are you living like a light? Even if you're a little dim, are you still living like a light? Because even a dim light will shine in darkness. The fact of the matter is, is that we must be living as light. That's why, that's why Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He said, let your light so shine before men. Remember that? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out. No, I'm going to let it shine. You see, there's a whole lot of truth in our kids' songs. Because the fact of the matter is, is Satan every day is trying to blow your light out. He can't extinguish it if you're a true child of God. But man, he can sure make it just a flicker. He can sure depress you. He can sure put things upon you where you feel like the weight of the world is upon you. And you don't want to share any longer. But yet Christ says, let your light so shine before men. What? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. They don't need to see your light shine so it's about you. They need to see your light shine so it's about Him. And that's what we must do. It is so easy to get encapsulated in our own struggles. My friends, the last time I was here and I preached from James chapter 1, I hear Lee did a much better job in Sunday school. But the fact of the matter is, I preached on James chapter 1 because it did not say count it all terrible when you encounter various trials. It says count it all joy. If we're not living a life of joy as believers, who is? We have the light of the Lord in our life. We can experience the joy in Christ. We must live our lives as people of light. In verse 9, he begins to describe what the fruit of the light really looks like. He begins there by saying, for the fruit of the light. In other words, the fruit is a metaphor for the results of the light. And he says it this way. They, they result in goodness and righteousness and truth. The elements are ultimately goodness in your life. Yours going to be an experience. When we look at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, that is one of the fruits of the Spirit, is that goodness in your life. You're going to demonstrate a Christ-like attitude and a Christ-like life that people will recognize there's something different about he or she. There's a goodness in them. But the second thing it also tells us is righteousness. Righteousness is something that we can consider a life of virtue. When we look back at Job and remember where Satan was roaming around seeking someone that he could tempt, and God even said, hey, have you considered my servant Job, who is a righteous man? I didn't mean he was perfect. It meant that he led a virtuous life. There was some goodness in Job's life. And so when we think about fruit or the results of light in the way that we live, there needs to be not only a goodness but a righteousness. Righteousness means to have a, a right standing before God. And then thirdly, truth. 
truth is the antithesis of falsehood we're going into a a a time frame in november where we'll have the elections right and i don't know about you but i really 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 get tired of a whole lot of falsehood in in all the advertisements what i want to know is truth and that's why i placed my faith and trust in jesus a long time ago is because jesus said i am the way the truth and you know what he's done He's given me confidence that he's truth in everything that he has said he has accomplished. And I'm still waiting on the day where just like we sang, I can only imagine what it's going to be like. You see, I know Christ is coming again because everything that he already said is going to come true has come true. And I'm awaiting on that day when he comes to receive me unto himself. That's the day that I'm waiting on. That's the day that I want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's the reason we press on is because we want to be authentic. You see, if you're living a life and calling yourself a believer today, when you leave out of this place and you're living your life Monday through Saturday, please, please, please be real. Be genuine. Be authentic. The world has enough scam artists. The world has enough falsehood. The world has enough people that come and sit in a pew on Sunday morning and say they're believers, that they're followers of Jesus Christ, and then walk out the doors into a world and live no different than anyone else on the street. My friends, that is forbidden according to Scripture in Romans. We can't live like that. We've got to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, representing Christ in the things that we do. Will we fail? Yes. Will we struggle? Yes. But by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in you as a believer and me as a believer, we can go out there and represent Christ as being light in a darkened world. And we can do that. So this week, I want you to bear some goodness. You know what? Be good. Just be good. The world is seeking to be good so that they'll, they'll be able to earn God's favor. You already have God's favor. According to the scripture, you were created as a workmanship or masterpiece in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. And you, if you've accepted his grace and his forgiveness of sins, then you have that goodness in you. It is called the light of Jesus. And then we live that out. And then bear some righteousness. Show people what it looks like to live a clean, holy life above reproach. And then be truthful. Even when sometimes it's difficult, be truthful. Because they need to see that. How are we going to do that? Where we're going to do that by living that out according to the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand here that it is there in verse 9. The fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. The Holy Spirit uh, enables us to do this, to live that out in a, in a tangible way. There's an old story that comes about a, about a man that was going out to court a woman. And there was a, he was going out to court a woman and his boss, he, he, was just really, he was just really concerned about this guy because he really hadn't have ever a date much and everything else. And, and uh, he said, well, you don't have to take that lamp with you when you go out to, to court your, you know, your girl and everything else. And, 
And he said, yeah, I need to be able to take my light and everything else. And the guy said, said, no, you don't. He said, I've been married for 50 plus years, and I didn't take a lamp out when I was courting my wife. And the guy looked at him and said, yeah, and I've seen your wife. <laughs> we don't need to live in darkness. Christ has given us the light to be able to go and bear it before a lost and dying world. In the final piece of this, Paul helps them to understand that they have a responsibility. He says, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. When he talks about exposing them, he's not talking about people. When he says expose them, the them are the deeds, according to the original language. We need to expose the deeds. In other words, you've heard it said in the past, love the sinner, not the sin. That's what we're talking about. We need to love people. We can't expect sinners to act like saints. And so we've got to love them where they're at. But when we love them, we expose the deeds so that we help them to understand that that will never line up with a holy God and his standards for us. And so we expose those deeds. We come to a place to where we are the light and the salt that Christ has called us to be. And so people are walking around in darkness every day. Let's love on them. Let's encourage them. Let's support them. Let's be there for them so that we can expose those things that would lead them down a path of destruction because Satan is so eager to see them destroyed and lead them to a life of being satisfied in Christ. And then I'll close with these thoughts. The application is ultimately, my friends, for us to shine our light. It is disgraceful there in verse 12 even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. You see, a lot of times we want to talk about the bad things, but we don't want to do anything. But in verse 13 it says, But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. If I could leave you with a word today, light turns darkness into light. And I really got to believe that part of our problem in our world today is we want to get behind closed doors and fuss and fight about the darkness instead of go out there bearing the light of Jesus into a darkened world and demonstrate there's something different. You see, when I get a flashlight and I go out into the dark night and I shine that flashlight, it may not shine all the way across the property, but it'll shine a little ways. Your light may not shine all the way across Gila Valley by yourself, but when collectively the body of Christ of Gila Valley Baptist Church comes together and this light comes on and this light comes on and this light comes on, the light begins to grow in the darkness of the Gila Valley and you are bearing the light of Christ and turning the darkness into light. I want to leave you with this word. Turn with me, if you will, First Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter was writing just as Paul was to believers. And he has a word for them to understand. I won't read all of this because for the sake of time, it's going to take way too much time. But just understand that he is writing to believers and he's helping them to understand their precious position in Christ. And then he says in verse 9, 
I'm going to read it slow. But you. I want you to think about that for just a minute. But you. He didn't name them by names, but he said, but you collectively. If there was a line right there, could you put your name as that you know that you know that you're a child of God? Could you put your name in there? Because Peter goes on to say, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. All right, he's building them up into who they are in Christ. And then he gives them the hammer so that, in other words, you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Guys, I love the fact that I know that I know that I know I'm a child of God. I am blessed and I am loving the fact that I have a relationship with God through Christ. But I was never given the blessing and opportunity to be called a child of the living God to hold to myself. I was never given that blessing so that I could sit back and soak it in and turn inward to my family or even my church and to say, thank you, Lord. I should say thank you. But my responsibility, because I'm saved, because I'm experiencing the salvation of God, that I am to be out and proclaiming the excellencies of God for that one who has brought me out of darkness into light. I never want to go back to darkness. But Gila Valley is dark. And they need your light of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come to you this morning. And God, I have to remind myself sometimes as the Holy Spirit pricks my heart. We live in a world that is dark. And it's not just that the world in and of itself has sin issues, but the people are in darkness. And they desperately need to know of your salvation that brings them into the light. God, forgive me of those times when I failed to do so, sharing the good news. As I collectively around this worship center this morning lift our praises unto you and 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 get excited about being with my brothers and sisters in Christ it's a good day but when I walk out these doors there's going to be a burden on me for all the other people that don't know the goodness of Jesus as Savior and Lord of their life and I hurt and so God I just pray that today that you would help each and every one of us have a burden and a passion to remember that that darkness cannot be washed away or wiped away or lit in any other way besides in the person and work of Christ. So God, let us proclaim him as the light of the world and let others see him in us. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray.